0: Welcome to Uplifting Women podcast. This podcast is sponsored by UpliftingWomen.net, as well as Holly Teska Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Teska and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They have overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, We can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation.
1: Welcome to Uplifting Women Podcast. I'm Kristen Strunk, and I'm here with my co-host, Holly Tesca. Today, we are excited to be joined by Amber Kahn, Principal and CEO at SCP Marketing.
2: And SCP Marketing works with service providers across the country and specializes in branding, marketing, content strategy, and website consulting. So you want to tell us a little bit more about that, Amber, and um, expand on the kind of services that you do and how you got into this? And
3: I like to think I was almost thrown into it. You know, before starting my company, I worked at several corporations, including Yahoo!, um, and in Yahoo, I worked in music and I had the opportunity to work on uh, microsites. So these were sites within the Yahoo platform sponsored by companies like Pepsi, Verizon, Nissan. And so we would just get them views. It was all for advertising. And so we would do that through original content. Um, and so Yahoo, as most people know, it was the internet giant. And then they went through restructuring. And so you know, in December of 2008, my whole team was cut. So there were about maybe over 2,000 people cut that day. It was going to be, you just showed up to work and maybe you left with the job and maybe you didn't. So I was one of the people that was cut in my whole team. And so, you know, the next day, I remember that feeling of being, you know, like, what am I going to do? Uh, am I going to go back into the corporate American environment? And then this idea came to me that, I had always wanted to work for myself. And even while I was at Yahoo, I had taken on freelance copywriting gigs and things of that nature. And so that very next day, I started my business. And so that was in 2008. It's been 13 years. And, you know, it just grew. We started out specializing in search engine optimized copywriting. And it was a great niche because when it comes to writing, it's a struggle for most people. You know, they might have some ideas but it's hard to put them into words. And so that would hold up website launches big time. So if they could kind of have that off their plate, the project just moves faster. Um, So that was our specialty. And then we just kept adding on. So I taught myself graphic design. I taught myself how to code. And a lot of that came about because my clients would just say, do you know how to do this? And I would say, "Mm, no, but I can learn. I can learn and I would do it. And then I just started partnering with other graphic artists, other developers, PPC specialists, everything you could think of to just grow the business. And so from when I started to now, we've worked with over 200 clients across the country. We have partners in all different types of industries. And and so we're very full service. Yeah, it's been wonderful. We get to work with all different people. I, I feel we connect best with what I like to say are healers and helpers. So those are people that are in service based businesses, but they're making an impact in the world. Because I think to do your best work, you need to align with clients that you have a connection with, and you really want to help them. More heart centered connection than just business, perhaps.
2: That's a fantastic, a fantastic way to start a business. But how bold was that, you know, the day after you lose your job at Yahoo, you decide, huh, I'm going to start a business that takes an awful lot of courage. Where did all of that come from?
3: <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's funny, I think about this story. The other person that got laid off with me was my best friend, Laura. And we always would call ourselves the island people. Because we always said, you know, we are either going to sink or swim. And we're always going to be safe on our island. And I think island people just are those people that no matter what you throw at them, they will adapt. They're going to find a way, you know, maybe they might swell in the misfortune for a little bit, but then they find a way through my background in which, um, you know, I, I come from a very traumatic background <laughs> and, and forgive me because I'm still, I'm, I'm a little fragile when speaking about it. Um, and I'm, I'm just learning now that I have to share my story more with people instead of hiding that side of myself, (laughs) just to preface, you know. So I think I have had a unique opportunity in my life to build resilience in a way that other people haven't and to cultivate strengths that other people haven't. And that is through this traumatic background I have of when when I was only three or four years old, my biological mother overdosed. And immediately thereafter, I was placed... I believe with was some family members that essentially served as foster care providers, but then eventually I was turned over to the state and had to make my way through the foster care system. Uh, and I was in very, in very abusive environments. So, you know, any type of abuse you can think of, I went through that um, up until I was about six or seven years old. And then I was finally placed with a new foster family who decided to adopt me. And, you know, my, I'm thankful for that. My adoptive mother, she's one of the strongest women I know. And I think, you know, she could have taken the approach with a lot of the trauma I went through or abusive situations I would bring up from my past and let me maybe cave into victimhood and dwell in that and use that to um, not take responsibility. Or I mean, I could have just used it to excuse my way out of a lot of things, but she always taught me to be strong. And she always taught me that there were lessons in that. And taught me to be kind and have a good heart and use that, really use that fuel to be a leader. And so for that, I'm very grateful. So despite uh, what I had to go through to get to that point, I landed with the right woman in my life to lead me. Um, And I'm truly grateful for that.
2: That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, my heart goes out to you. I, I think I may have shared with you when we spoke originally that my daughter and son-in-law fostered a brother and sister for three and a half years, and they were finally able to adopt them in January of this year. So I'm quite familiar with, number one, the the foster system and some of the trauma and things, because these kiddos, they were one and a half and two and a half when they came to my daughter. So they had endured plenty, and it's so heartwarming to see that you took that as an opportunity to create something really beautiful. And there's a lot of people out there that have gone through similar experiences. So I think what you're sharing is important.
3: Yes. And I think, you know, we all have our unique histories. We all have our past. Um, These are all opportunities to learn and grow from. Even trauma, it is a huge opportunity to develop skill sets and maybe superpowers that other people don't have, you know? So I know from being in foster care, it develops in a child, a sense of compassion that other people might not have or a sense of empathy right away that you just relate to other people's struggles and you can hone in on that and be a source of comfort for them. It also makes you very self-driven. You know, I think I almost leaned a little too into my perfection perhaps as I grew, grew older, but it did that kind of helped me and served me in my business that I was always going to survive. I was always going to get things done. I wanted to be the best. And so I think um, there's certain skills that show up that other mm-hmm. people might not have when you're put in unique situations like that. So mm-hmm. you could look at it from that perspective and really lean into the lessons you were given um, and allow it, instead of it being a, a source of victimhood, or, you know, I always felt like if I dwelled in that trauma, I was just letting my abusers get to me over and over and over again. And I'm going to take control of that and change it. And, and I think that has served me well in life and can serve others if they yeah. can do the same.
2: I can see then why you are drawn to working with the healers and helpers in your business. Yes. That's, that's naturally what you're drawn to at this point.
3: Yes, people that have make an impact, people that are not afraid to be vulnerable and lead with their hearts and want to change the world for the better. You know, these are the people I can really get behind. I like to think of them as like my tribe and my type of people. And that's where I'm going to do my best work. It's just hugely inspiring to work with people that think big like that. I just enjoy people who really want to make a difference in people's lives.
1: I'm very curious about starting your own business. What are the things that you love about being your own organization or having some control over what you're doing and and who you're supporting?
3: I think personally, what I like about it is I am a mother and having this flexible schedule is Huge for me, especially with two young children. I want to be present for my children, and so having that space and that freedom is super important from that point of view. And just being a mom, and then also I like working from home. That's always that's kind of a, a selfish thing, but um, I just do my best work. And actually, I think I noticed during you know COVID when people start working at home, they also noticed they were doing their best work there too because we often create and perform higher in spaces where we're more comfortable. So I think that could be a lesson just for everybody in any business, you know, and supporting employees in that respect. And then the big, big thing I think is the clients I get to work with. I'm lucky I get to pick who I want to work with. I know that's not the case when you're in another, like an agency, you don't always get to choose, Um, but I do. And I don't take that for granted. And, you know, a lot of my clients I've worked with for over 10 years and they become really good friends and we do amazing work together because we're so like-minded. We unite in the mission and we just know, okay, where, where are the strengths here on the team and who needs to do what? And we just do such a phenomenal job of getting things done because we have that type of relationship. And, and I can't imagine being in a position where, I'm working with a client where I can't give my best energy to, perhaps, or I was forced to do that. I don't think that's a win-win for me or that client. And so being able to pick is huge. We've lost
2: a lot of women in the workplace because of yeah. the pandemic. I mean, lots of women have opted out. What would you say to women that are kind of on the fence about, should I start something on my own? What would you say to them if you know they're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got great skills, here I am I'm at home. Yes, I'm tending to my family and doing what's important, but I also want to contribute to society, the world at large in a different way. What would you say to them?
3: I would say go for it. 100%. Just try, try something, put yourself out there because you just never know where it's going to lead to. And maybe the first idea isn't it. Maybe that's not it. And you refine and you have to try something else, but just just try because the world needs these types of people and talent to show up. You know, we're more than just moms. You are more than just wives. I think you do the world a disservice when you kind of don't put yourself out there. We need, we need the talent. We need the leadership and the visionaries like this to come into power and, and own their businesses.
2: You're speaking my language. I agree with yeah. you. I mean, <laughs> women are half of the population, we should be accounting for half of the leadership in the world. And you know, it's, it's not because we don't want to, I think sometimes situations w- we have to stay home and we have to stay yeah. with the kids when, when there has to be a caregiver role. Women seem to step into that just voluntarily, like it's their duty, I guess.
3: Yeah, You're almost um, wired for it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And I think women deal with a lot of guilt when they don't step into that role uh it's not the traditional role is that the woman's at home taking care of the children and I don't think we as a society are quite at that place where it's equally distributed to be honest and so even and you know my husband's very supportive of my business and we work together as a partnership but there aren't days where I go by without feeling guilty because I can't do this and do this in my business or it's just a juggling that we always do
2: Mm -hmm. right How do you deal with that guilt?
3: Oh, that's tough. And it's even more tough, I think, in my situation because, you know, after going through the crazy past that I went through, I'm like even more wanting to be that mom, that perfect mom to my kids. And I just, I take small moments if I can to just be there with them. Even if it's reading, I'm always sharing my feelings and love with them. I'm learning more. It's the quality of the time I spend with my children, ways I show up that maybe I'm not even physically there for. Like, they know, mom is always safe. Mom always loves them. Mom has their back. I can go to mom for anything. And that that's what matters, you know? And I think that's what helps me sometimes with that guilt.
1: What type of role model or what type of things do you think they gain from you being an entrepreneur and having your own business?
3: They see, you know... I think our kids think about things so differently. We have a few entrepreneurs in the family, aside from myself. uh, Their uncles have started a very successful drink line. And so they see what goes into this, like the hard work. For example, my son, he is nine years old and he wanted a YouTube channel. (laughs) He was dead set on getting this YouTube channel. And I said, okay, Zane, so if you were to go about this in the real world, you're going to need a deck. You're going to need a pitch. So I want to know your brand colors. I want to know your mission. I want to know gave him everything that he needed to do for me. And his 10 first video ideas, he had to have that too. And he presented a pitch. He presented a full pitch and even designed his own merchandise. So we've started to get them to think about things um, in a way that most kids never will, you know, from branding to any idea he has and my daughter have. We try to bring the business into it a little bit just to get them to think. And we we're also putting in the idea into their heads that you know, a lot of people college is kind of like the traditional route, but we're trying to put into their heads there's other ways to do things too, whether it's a trade school or maybe you code something, maybe you come up with something that nobody else has. And we we always get them to use their imaginations and think differently. You know, if you have a problem, a problem shows up, well, how would you solve that? So a good example of that is I do a lot of work with an organization. It's called Transplant Village. And so Transplant Village is for patients and families going through transplant and we provide them, uh, support. And there's also funding behind that to help them with their transplants. So I was telling my son about Transplant Village and he didn't quite understand organs and what is going on during a transplant. And so he had said, well, mom, if someone needs a new heart, what happens? And I said, unfortunately, Zane, you can't have a heart transplant. And, um, He's like, well, why doesn't someone make a robot heart? Why doesn't someone do this? And I thought that he's thinking about things that most kids would never think about. I never would have thought that way. So I think that's the the imagination, the creativity, and then the strategy part of it, too.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. You're really opening up their minds to other possibilities besides working for the man, so to speak, right?
3: Right? Well, I think we're just at this time where we have to think differently. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many options. Uh, if you have the passion, you need to go for it. And, and we would certainly support our children in that. Mm-hmm. Are there
1: resources
2: that are available to women small business owners that you've been able to tap into?
3: You know, a lot of my resources, I can't speak to like financial or anything like that. Uh, I've just been lucky to always have mentors show up in my life mm-hmm. or to actively seek them out. And I think that's one of the things that we don't, you go to college, they don't ever talk to you about mentorship, really. (laughs) You know, you might have an internship where you're pushing, delivering coffee and pushing papers, but they never talk to you about approaching someone who's maybe more senior than you and asking them to mentor you. And I was lucky that those people showed up for me in my life. So one example would be Lori, our good friend, our common friend. She just showed up and I can't, I'm so thankful for that. Because she not only was my friend, but she mentored me and, and helped me build my confidence quite considerably in my 20s. And so even when I started my business, I just, I looked for mentors if they didn't show up. And a lot of women and are really open to this. They want to give back. They want to help others. And so I think that's always a great opportunity for advancing your business and also yourself and growing. So
2: do you mentor people?
3: I do. I actually, I'm part of the Insight program here in Pewaukee for the high school. And this is a really cool program that um, I don't know. I'm not sure that other schools in our area have it. So essentially what they do is for every senior, they try to find someone in a career that that senior is interested in. And then they partner that senior with that person for a year. And so I've been lucky now. I've been part of this program for three years to mentor some students that are interested in marketing. Last year, I mentored a girl who wanted to be a CEO. And so that's really rewarding um, for myself, but also just to kind of see how this younger generation is thinking and what they're looking for compared to what we were and what their needs will be compared to what ours were Mm -hmm. and how they're not so much financially driven, but they really wanna be part of a community and company culture will be huge for this younger generation coming into the workforce. So that was really enlightening. And it's, it's just rewarding to do that sort of work.
2: Won't you be happy when that young woman does become a CEO?
3: And she will. <laughs> I have no doubt. I mean, the way they know technology, how the one difference I will say that I've noticed these kids that are in high school right now, they're so confident. And I think a lot of that has to do with social media because they're constantly videoing. They're constantly putting themselves out there. They are very well-spoken. They're confident and they're hugely driven and they are problem solvers. And so I think we're going to be really lucky in a few years when they start going into the workforce.
2: That's great. I'm happy to hear that because, you know, I think we're kind of stuck in a rut right now. We need some, we need some high velocity energy to put into the system to help get things moving again, bring fresh ideas, think of things differently for all the things that the pandemic brought that were horrible, I do think that some opportunities have arisen for change, kind of forcing us out of our comfort zones and making us think differently about how can life and work, how can it be different? How can it be better? How can we tap into that? So you're a great example of, you were ahead of your time because you've been doing this for a while. It's inspirational to hear that even in a time when that wasn't the norm because you've been doing this like, over like almost nine years now um, on your own. It's great. Yes,
3: and thank you for that. I, I guess I never thought of it that way, but, you know, and even in my own company, all the people I work with, they work in environments they're comfortable with. They're working from home. This was not new. And I noticed they just, why do we have to have, set hours even. If I give you a project, just do it when you're ready and you're going to do a good job. And I think, you know, we have to trust our team members. We have to trust employees. We have to let them create in ways that they're comfortable and they will always produce good results. And I think we're starting to see it more in the workforce, you know, that we're giving employees flexibility (laughs) or letting them obviously work from home because of the pandemic. But I think just that trust goes a long way, you know, without regulating them to a nine to five or perhaps more political, like you're putting in your face time, like just let them be productive and give them the trust to do what they do well. And they will, I think that goes a long way.
2: I I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm sure Kristen's got something to say about (laughs) this. I I know that because I know that she's a, a strong advocate for the fact that, you know, work isn't about the amount of time your butts in your chair Work is a work is a output and what we are living with currently is um, remnants of the industrial age where, you know, you had to be standing at your machine pounding out widgets and that was the only way it was going to happen In a knowledge economy it's very different. It's about how do you produce the outputs? And, you know, people are, when you regiment them to an eight to five work day, some people are super productive. They get up, they're early birds. Yes. From five to nine, they're like brilliant. And then they need a break. Yeah. And then maybe that brilliance returns at three o'clock in the afternoon. But, you know, by forcing people into this box that, mm-hmm. you know, we've been hanging on to for all these years, I think we're really we're losing out on some great opportunities.
3: We are. And I think we are um, essentially limiting potential by forcing constraints onto people because we're all different. And to what you were saying, some people are early birds and they're going to show up and others, maybe they perform better in the evening. That's just their way their body is wired. So one mold isn't going to fit everybody, you know, so we have to be more open, especially if we want the best out of people
1: and the best for people too. In your clients, so the people that you're working with, what are you seeing in terms of flexibility in that future? What is that shaping up like for the people and the organizations that you are supporting right now?
3: The one thing I will say, especially, so I work with a lot of solopreneurs, but then the ones that are actually in the corporations, What I'm noticing is their teams seem a little bit more relaxed. I've noticed that a lot, you know, and they're using their vacation time. They're, they just seem more comfortable in the office setting or at home. They're they're just, they seem far more relaxed. And I think that's producing better results. I've noticed that uh, projects are moving faster because people aren't so fatigued and stressed out that they can't make a decision. And I think that is hugely valuable, valuable to companies. <laughs> when it comes to marketing, you do need to make quick decisions. And then, you know, for my solopreneur clients, it's interesting because I think they almost figured out, especially if they had to commute into their office or they almost achieve more of a work-life balance by being at home more. Mm-hmm. And I think that carries over into your business. And then they started to see ways in which they could tweak their schedules So those schedules better serve them or develop better self-care rituals and realizing the importance of those rituals every day, how that impacts your business. I'm one of those people that believe that if I'm stressed and exhausted, there's no way my business isn't stressed and exhausted because I'm not giving my best. Like I'm connected in, right? Um, And that's especially true for all solopreneurs, but even in big companies, that's true. Because if you have stressed employees coming into the office, they're gonna, maybe they're negative to your clients. Maybe they're negative to their coworkers. I think this balance of um, less stress, more work-life balance, finding time for self-care has what's really
2: changed. I'm also curious about what kinds of shifts you may be seeing around brand messaging and such with companies the what are they calling it the great resignation are you seeing companies making shifts in how they're presenting material on their websites the the kind of info that they're pushing out have you seen any
3: shorter and to the point you know mm-hmm. I think in the past people and that's because of technology and our addiction to the social media mm-hmm. we And so this you could place on the pandemic, but I I think it's just a technological trend. And also the fact that we are on social media so much. So if I'm on Instagram flipping through my feed, how much attention do I really give? Right. So people are learning that and applying that to their websites. It's like when I first landed, we always said this, but for some reason, it's really clicking. What problem? What big, big problem does your major client have? And quickly tell me how you're solving that. And then stop talking about yourself because they don't care. <laughs> they wanna hear about how you're helping them. It can't mm-hmm. always be about you, um, it has to be more focused on them. And all you are is the support and the guide and the person that can help them achieve the results they want. So I'm seeing um, more one page type websites. You know, in the past, we would, you'd see companies go like 100 pages in. And I'm like, if you can't say what you're doing, in a couple pages, we have a big problem. You don't need hundreds and hundreds. And I'm not talking about blogs because that's different. Um, I'm talking about your website <laughs> that is that deep. No one's going that deep. We just don't have the attention span for it. So I am seeing, you know, the messaging is getting shorter. It's getting more concise, and it's getting more centered around the customers and more empathetic to their needs, and not so much all about why our company is so great and choose us and here's our founders and here's our timeline. I don't think I'm seeing as much of that anymore.
1: So my question, Amber, just, just listening to the, the journey that you have been on and the mentoring that you're doing and the role modeling that you're doing for your children. I'm really curious about the advice that you would give to someone who is struggling to find their voice or struggling to be resilient. What are some things that you can do or say in that instance to help that person?
3: Sure, I think something I was always um, challenged with, and it's changed the past few years, is even finding out what my own voice sounded like. Because I was so used to going to other people Or validation? Or do you think this is a good idea? Is it okay if I mess up? Uh, And so you really have to learn that. And it's a self-trust thing. But you have to know what your own voice sounds like. And I think the only way you can start to do that is by stop going to everyone you don't need everyone's approval you don't it's one thing if you need advice right and you're in that situation but to live your life and make simple decisions you really just have to learn to tune inward and figure out and I started uh doing meditation that really helped me that really helped me get grounded I used to when people told me they did meditation I'm like really you can sit still that long don't you don't you get bored and but it was amazing because I could just start the practice of letting thoughts go, right? And realize, oh, that's not, that's not quite my voice. That critical voice, that's not me because I don't talk to myself that way. And so I think that's something... And everyone can do it differently. Another way in which I do it is I lift weights. And that's just my me time. And that's where I just feel strong and powerful and ready to conquer my day. So I think it's different for everybody. But you have to find ways in which you can really... Cut out everything else that's going on around you and everyone else and be, you know, sit still with yourself and figure out what does that voice sound like? And then you can start asking yourself questions because oftentimes we're getting, you know, the answers we need from ourselves. We're just not paying attention. So we have to learn to really dial it in and be quiet. And I think our lives, the way they're run, is in such a state of uh, busyness to do, to do. We're humans doing, I like to tell people that we're always human doing, but we need to be human beings. And that means taking time to be quiet and tune in and listen. In. And that's where you build the trust. I feel we we never lead ourselves astray, really, if we are true to ourselves and listen.
2: Wow. I love that. I especially love we need to be humans being. Yeah, so important. And I love that you've incorporated some body practices into your daily life, because we oftentimes believe that we can only think our way out of a problem. And we actually have intelligence throughout our entire body. We do exist below the neck.
3: Yes, we do. One of my
2: favorite, one of my favorite sayings.
3: I (laughs) love that. I love that. I'm going to take that with me for sure. And I think sometimes, you know, um, in talking to all these different successful entrepreneurs I've worked with, a lot of times they're like, you know, I was just in the shower and I wasn't even thinking and the best idea came to me or I was out on a walk and it's like, okay, when you finally just surrender into being, my gosh, that's when the ideas can get through because they're not boxing all that mental chatter you have going on in your brain. It's like, oh, I'm still. And that's where ideas will come the solutions and you know a huge author i like is ryan holiday he writes all about stoicism and that is practices developed by greek philosophers and they had this wisdom about being present about stillness stillness being key and um it applies especially now to modern day times they were well ahead of themselves so if you ever want to check that out I, i recommend ryan holiday immensely I love your word surrender.
2: Yeah. You know, that that really yeah. surrendering to what's coming to you. We get caught up in yeah. that perfectionism and thinking that we have to have the exact answer. We have, we have to wait until it's a hundred percent cooked, right? It's a hundred percent. But sometimes if you just surrender and start, you know, the rest of it sort of works out. And in your case. I think you're a perfect example of that, Amber. Oh, you surrendered you. you surrendered to what the world brought you and you did something with it.
3: I'm at a position where I have to start sharing a little bit with my own biological children of of my past and what happened. And so I was just briefly explaining to my son, you know, well, I mean, you know, she was Ami means me mom and or do my kids are half Pakistani um I was explaining to him I was in different homes and you know I was mistreated and in one home I was locked in a room and it's interesting how kids hear things so he said well you were an orphan and I said yeah you could kind of say that I was an orphan and he said no mom you're Harry Potter And I said what he's like because your life was like Harry Potter but now it's magical And I thought, what wisdom for a little boy to piece together. And ever since I think like hearing that story, I'm like, I am, I am Harry Potter and there's lots of Harry Potters out there. It's cool.
2: Absolutely. What a beautiful way to, what a beautiful way to describe that from the mouths of babes. So Amber, this has been a wonderful interview. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, If our listeners want to reach out to you for any kinds of questions, or perhaps they want to use your services in marketing or doing some branding work or whatever, how can they best get in touch with you?
3: Uh, Through email. And they can email me at amber at scpmarketing.com.
2: We'll make sure that that goes into the show notes. And I want to thank you for joining Kristen and myself today. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to uplifting women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by UpliftingWomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.